name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. May His grace and His blessing be with us now and unto the age of all ages, amen. Today's homily from the blessed servant and subdeacon Philo Botros. Let us open our hearts to hear the words of the Holy Spirit. Today is the fifth and the first Sunday of the blessed month of Nisan. During these last few weeks, as we have come closer to the end of the Coptic year, the Church reminds us about the end of the world and the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In last week's Gospel reading, we read from Mark chapter 13, and today we read from Matthew chapter 24. In both of these Gospel readings, we see Jesus, having come to the Mount of Olives, converse with his disciples regarding the fate of Jerusalem as well as the signs foretelling the end of the world. We then see his disciples ask him, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? I would first like to meditate briefly on this question asked by the disciples. We see in this question that the disciples actually ask two questions, both of which have great importance. The disciples first ask, When will these things be? In reference to the end of the world. In short, they basically ask Christ to tell them when the end of the world will happen. However, we see in both Mark chapter 13 and Matthew chapter 24 that Christ has not revealed this to them. Why? Many may ask, why? Why didn't Jesus reveal this to his disciples? And in short, the answer is because it was simply not for them to know. In the Gospel of Mark chapter 13, verse 32, it says, But that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. This verse, when first read, may cause confusion and is, in fact, a very commonly referenced verse that many have used and weaponized to question the nature and divinity of Christ. People claim that this verse suggests that the Son and the Father are not truly of one essence as we believe in the Coptic Orthodox Church. According to St. Augustine, we see that the Lord Christ knows the day, yet proclaims otherwise, in the sense that he does not know it in a way to reveal it. What this means is, for instance, if a teacher is asked by his students to reveal the questions for his exam, the teacher's response would be that he does not know. This does not mean that the teacher does not actually know the answer, but that instead it means that the secret is not, it cannot be revealed. Moving on to the second question, we see the disciples ask Christ, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? This time we see that Christ answers the disciples' question and reveals to them the events which will be witnessed prior to the end of the world and the second coming. Christ reveals this to them, but does not lay great importance on the chronological order of the signs, but instead emphasizes the great, the general order of when they will happen. Christ cautions them rather than, set, than satisfy their curiosity, but he does not emphasize the order, but rather instead emphasizes watchfulness, devotion, and the practice of virtue. Today I would like to focus on these signs revealed by Christ, as well as how we as Orthodox Christians may ready ourselves so that we may be prepared for when that great and awesome time finally comes. Similar to how the wise virgins waited diligently for the coming of the bridegroom, we too must wait patiently and diligently for the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The end of the world, as described in Matthew chapter 12, is composed of three phases. These three major phases are, one, the initial sorrows. In this phase or period, Christ says that wars, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes are signs of the initial sorrow 
but it does not mean that the end is coming. It means that the end is not yet. After this phase, or this period, is the period of the Great Tribulation, which includes the entire Christian era and is not limited to the final years before Christ's return. Finally, the last period or phase is the coming of the Son of Man, in which Christ will descend from the heavens. So now let us discuss the signs preceding the end mentioned by Christ to the disciples. There are seven perceived signs, the first being the rising up of false prophets, deceivers, and the Antichrist. This was mentioned three times by Christ throughout Matthew chapter 13, and is probably the most important sign that he has revealed to us. Christ warns to us that there will be rising up of deceivers, claiming to be Christ in order to attempt to draw the faithful away. In order to prepare ourselves against those who may attempt to deceive us, we must educate ourselves in the faith and strengthen our understanding, so that we may not waver or falter when deceivers attempt to lead us astray. This can be done through spiritually beneficial acts such as reading our Bibles, consistently praying, and participating in the Holy and Divine Liturgy. We must be able to decipher the truth and couple with the knowledge of the scriptures we can avoid deception. The second sign is that the gospel will be preached throughout the entire world. God will send his message throughout all creation. Everyone will have a chance to learn of Christ and choose to follow him or reject him. Many even speculate saying that this sign has already been fulfilled, or is close to being fulfilled. The Orthodox faith has been spread across the whole earth and will continue to be taught and preached throughout this generation. As we read in Romans chapter 18, But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. When we learn of the word of God, we must listen and choose to follow it. As Christians, we need to go around the world and spread the good news. Preaching evangelism, although they may have a somewhat negative connotation nowadays, are essential. They result in two crucial outcomes, either salvation or witness. To one group of people for salvation, to the others in witness. It results in salvation to those who accept this and choose to become good Christians, and it acts as a witness for those who do not accept it, so that during the last judgment they are told, you saw and heard, but did not accept. Therefore, preaching and evangelism are never in vain, it's either for salvation or to witness. The third sign is the release of the lawless one and general apostasy. As we read in today's Pauline epistle from the second epistle of St. Paul to the Thess Thessalonians, we see that for St. Paul, the Antichrist is the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition, who does not respect God and wants to sit himself upon the throne of God. This greatest sin for man is the will to usurp the throne of God to defy God and to take the place of God. He will appear with satanic activity and power to deceive those who find pleasure in falsehood and unrighteousness, and those who do not love the, the Christ and his truth in order to be saved. St. Paul also warns of the general apostasy that will occur. Apostasy is defined as the abandonment or renunciation of a religious belief, meaning that St. Paul is warning of a mass desertion from the true apostolic faith. We understand that a time will come in which mass defection from the true apostolic church will occur, as well as the appearance of the Antichrist. Apostasy is caused through negligence of spiritual practices, indifference to the church and Christ, and conflict between earthly desires and spiritual goals. Therefore, we must be consistent in worship and prayer, even during times of indifference. We must continue to be attentive to our spiritual needs, and consistently participate in those things that are spiritually edifying. We must struggle to find delight in worship even when we may not feel delight in our hearts at the moment. 
In doing this, we can strengthen ourselves as well as the church for this foretold apostasy. In regards to preparing for the Antichrist, we must strive to become the opposite of him, and therefore, by definition, we must therefore strive to become more like Christ. We must follow the teachings of our Lord and live a righteous life filled with prayer, repentance, and confession in order to align ourselves with what is good and beautiful in a time that will be led by evil and wickedness. We must be prepared to follow the examples of the saints who live before us and to declare our faith in Christ, even when those around us reject and torment us. We as Christians have already begun to experience forms of rejection or ostracization today because certain beliefs that we as Christians do not agree with, society has deemed totally normal. The next sign is the Great Tribulation. Our Lord Jesus Christ describes it saying, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not seen since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh to be saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. During this period, God will send two witnesses, Elijah and Enoch, clothed in sackcloth, unconcerned about worldly matters, to resist the Antichrist, who will have set himself up as king. This will be the fifth sign. We must be steadfast that we can endure tribulation. We must not fear, but instead have faith in our Lord that He will guide us and support us during times of tribulation. Just as He blessed Joseph and allowed him to help the land of Egypt during the seven years of famine, He will also bless us and guide us through tribulation. We even see Christ say that for the sake of the elect, meaning the faithful, He will shorten the days of tribulation. We must learn from the holy martyrs who persevered in the face of tribulations. Today we commemorate the departure of Amba Barsumanaria. Because of his love for Christ, he lived a pious life of prayer and fasting, and when great tribulation fell upon the Christians, he was beaten and imprisoned. However, through the grace of God, he was released and lived the rest of his life in prayer and asceticism. We will commemorate Amba Barsumanaria and all the holy martyrs on the Feast of the Nairus after the Church reminds us of the great tribulation that is to come. The next signs are signs 6 and 7. The next signs of the belief in Christ as well as a great spiritual revival of all peoples, including Israel. There will be many Jews who will accept Christianity before the second coming. God had promised Abraham that his children will be plentiful and that they will be taken into Christ's fold. However, there is accountability on their part to return to God. The only way to do that is through Christ. There is no other way to God but through Christ. The purpose of the church is to bring all people and all nations to be united with and subjected to Christ and through Christ to God the Father. When this has been completed and all peoples are subject to Christ, then Christ as the mediator king will subject himself to the Father, that God may be everything to every one of us. The whole world renewed by Christ and in Christ as one church and kingdom of God will be placed under the absolute sovereignty of the love of God. There the world will be filled will find the end, the final purpose of its creation. Everything will be in the love of God in a perfect divine unity and harmony. So therefore, although these signs may seem frightening, we must not be fearful, but instead we must endure and be watchful for the second coming of Christ. We must not be fearful because we know that He who is with us is stronger than those who are against us. Let us place our faith in God so that He may guide us throughout our lives. May He strengthen us so that we may endure that which afflicts us in our lives, and may He comfort us with the promise of the eternal and the heavenly life to come. May we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the age to come. Amen. To our Lord Jesus Christ belongs all glory and honor. With His good Father and the Holy Spirit and glory be to God forever. Amen.